Good evening, and welcome to Meet the Artist Interviews. I'm your host, Charles McNeil, the Director of Education for the San Francisco Ballet, and I'm very pleased to be here on this Friday evening, February 19th, 2010, recording from the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House. I want to welcome all of our guests this evening and remind you that you can visit our website to see clips of our season, to peruse artist interviews, to learn more about our company, more about our education and outreach efforts, and just more about dance. You can find us at sfballet.org. Tonight's guest is Ilana Altman, a talented artist who was born and raised right here in San Francisco. She trained exclusively at the San Francisco Ballet School. She was named Apprentice in 2000. She was promoted, uh, entered the company, I should say, in 2001. And in 2005, she was promoted to soloist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome San Francisco Ballet soloist, Ilana Altman. Hello. So, Ilana, you have danced so many roles. And, I mean, in such a short period of time, you've had such a body of work already, um, including Mirtha in Mr. Thomason's Giselle, uh, the Lilac Fairy in Mr. Thomason's Sleeping Beauty, the Sugar Plum Fairy in Snow Queen and Nutcracker, and, of course, you were Firebird in Yuri Posikov's Firebird. We remember you there. Uh, and now you, you have too many roles for me to name, but I just want to point out that... Uh, Significantly, the role of Mercedes in the Thomas and Posikoff production of Don Quixote, um, as well as uh, several roles in Balanchine ballets, including Ruby's, Apollo, and Val Violin Concerto. And um, I just want to welcome you once again. Thank you. <laughs> so um, you grew up in San Francisco, and I, I don't always ask this question, but how did dance come to you? How did it come to your life? Well, um, when I was two years old, my mother took me to, uh, she worked at the JCC. She was an art teacher, and she put me in the dance class down the hall while she taught art. And um, I never stopped <laughs> from two years old. So uh, from there, like, I went to another smaller school before I started um, here. Okay. And so when you think of San Francisco Ballet School, you really spent, what, nine, ten years at San Francisco Ballet School? Eight. Eight years. Yeah. yeah. What, what was that like? I mean, you must have heard about other schools and other training. What was it like? Well, uh, for the summers, I would go away. Uh, when I was 14, um, I started going to New York in the summers. So I got other experiences there, but every year... I mean, I had such a great school in my hometown. I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. Great. Were there any teachers who were significant in your training here? Um, Lola Diabla, the, the head, and she's still the head of the school, and um, Irina Jakobsen, mm -hmm. and Pascal Roy, and um, tons of them. Leslie Crockett was my very first teacher. Right, right. Yeah. I remember Leslie. I remember Leslie. Um, if you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with Ilana Altman, soloist with San Francisco Ballet. So, Ilana, you matriculated through the school, and then you were one of the ones who made the transition directly into the company, first as apprentice, and then directly into the company. So, what was, what was that like? Was that, were you ready for that transition to that professional stage, or...? Uh, when I was in the, the top levels of the school, I was 
able to do a lot of work with the company um, and even traveled with them on tour, did like the core of Giselle and um, Nutcracker and stuff. So that kind of eases the transition. You know what it's like to be in a rehearsal with company members and um, you know the, the rep and kind of the rigors of company life. So that eased the transition, but still it's, I was 17 and I was a senior in high school. And so it went from being a student to just full-time uh, working teenager. It was <laughs> strange, strange upbringing for sure. It takes a lot of discipline to do that. I mean, you don't get to have the life of a regular Teenager, we talk about that from time to time. No, not at all. Do you do you miss that? Do you know about no. that life? No, you don't miss it. No. You, don't, you don't think about it. You gain a whole new world of knowledge by um, living on your own and having responsibilities that um, regular 17, 18 year olds don't have. And I really valued that for sure. And there are other perks. You get paid. Yeah, you, you and and you get career. To, yeah, and you mentioned traveling. You mentioned traveling. I mean, so first of all, where, so where have you been? Where have you been with the company? My first few years in the company, I went to Spain and France and Greece and London. And um, last year we went to China. This is your first two years? Well, yeah. Yeah. The 2001 was a really big touring year. Oh, my goodness. 2000, yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Is that harder? Is it harder to dance on tour or is it? just so exciting and so fun you don't think of it that way it definitely is such a insane excitement and um it's hard getting used to a new theater and a new city where you don't have your your normal comforts but um the benefits definitely outweigh good good um i'm gonna give the audience a chance to ask ilana a couple of questions um i have a couple more first so you um you made the transition into the company, and then a great transition happens. You become soloist in 2005. So what does that mean? You become a soloist. Do you just get more parts? Do you get bigger parts? Is it harder work? It totally depends. I mean, you, you don't have to stand in line in the core of Swan Lake anymore, which is really helpful for your legs and feet. Um, <laughs> But the parts that you do do are um, generally, well, they're more featured, so there's more pressure. And, but dancing in the core is really, really hard as well. So, Especially what you'll see tonight in Serenade, that ballet is all about the core, and it's so beautiful. Yes, I miss yes. it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that not that lovely? Um, yes, Shades of Balanchine. Already you're going there. It's beautiful. Um, they get to see Serenade. And so is that, how do you feel about that ballet? Is that one of your, your favorite Balanchine ballets? Oh, yeah. 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 I think that's true for, for a lot of us. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm gonna, this, is an, this is one of my audience questions that I think an audience would ask, so I don't even know if this is real. But So like when a new choreographer comes and they're going to do a new ballet and you hear about a new ballet, do you think ooh, I want to get in that ballet, I want that part, do you try out for it, do you advocate for it, or do you just wait and see what you're given? I mean, how does it work? Um, I, everybody usually wants to be in the new ballet, for sure. 
But um, the way the process works is the, the choreographer will come and watch our class, um, sometimes right before he starts, or she sometimes a year before, and um, they will just get familiar with the dancers and see who they want to pick and then use those people. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get to go up and say, hey, put me in your ballet. Right. But you know if a choreographer is watching class, that's one of your best classes ever, right? You better be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, speaking of roles, uh, so coming up this season, you are in a new ballet, are you not? And tell us yes. about that. Um, way in the distant future in program six, I believe, there's a world premiere by Renato Zanella. And uh, we, he created that a couple months ago. And, yeah, I'm second cast in it. I'm very excited. Very. Well, we're going to look forward to that. I'm going to turn it over to the audience and give you a chance to ask a couple of questions. And we'll start on the outside and work our way in. Go ahead. Great. You mentioned that you had some training during the summer at, uh, in New York at other schools, uh, as is common practice. Um, how, can you think of any significant experiences or training that really influenced your dancing and your career? Well, one of the, the things about the summer programs that make them so uh, enriching is that you dance all day long. You don't have, it's not like an after-school activity. So going to New York, I was introduced to tons of different teachers, and um, we would have like a ballet class and then a, a variations class where we learned repertoire and then a jazz class, and then a modern class. Like you dance from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m or seven, I remember running home to get dinner at the dorms before it closed. I think it, they stopped serving at seven, and so we'd dance all day long, and then we'd, like, race home the streets of New York to get back in time for dinner. And did you ever have time to see any dance or other things when you were in New York, or were you just working so hard? No, I remember going to, to shows at ABT, for sure, and City Ballet. It, and it sounds like during those long days of training, you really begin to build up stamina and endurance, which is such an important part of performing. Is that correct? Definitely. And for me, it was a chance to live on my own, too, which was a good practice. Because well, you didn't have a chance to go away to go to your regular school. So that was really, that sounds big. Okay, we have another question. I like this question. So how many, <laughs> I hope I can get it. How, how, how many hours a day does it take to train, to do what you do? How many hours do you spend in the gym or training or rehabbing or taking class or rehearsing? What's a day like? Well, um, I wake up and have breakfast. No, um, we start at 10 a.m. Our, our ballet class and that's, a warm-up for our day of rehearsals, and rehearsals usually go from 11.30 to 6.30. And um, depending on what ballets you're in at the time, you could dance the whole entire day long, or you'd just have a couple hours. And um, if I'm not doing a full day of rehearsals, I 
would go to the gym sometimes or I'd do yoga or something to keep my body moving. And um, on performance days, we usually rehearse less than that. We usually just uh, rehearse a couple hours. Um, depends how busy the schedule is. could rehearse till 5 o'clock on the day of a show. But usually you're pretty busy enough that there's there's no extra time in the day to to go uh, work out or anything. So you don't find that you have to go to the gym to stay in shape, that dancing itself is, is all you need. I know a lot of the men in, in the company and professional dancers overall now do a lot more training, but that's not or so... Or like lifting and yeah. stuff maybe. But if you're, if you're dancing... All those hours, that is what puts you in the perfect condition for being on stage. Lovely. Any more questions in the audience just now? Yes, sir. That is a pretty significant question. So when you're on tour and you're traveling around the world and you arrive in a new city, a place you've never been, performing in a theater you've never seen before, how much time do you have to get ready and to prepare? Not that much, usually. Um, I think that, the, that our crew goes, they go ahead of time and they set everything up and um, they're in the theater maybe a couple days before us. And depending on how much time we have, depending on where we are, it's one day, two days of rehearsal, um, usually not that much at all. Yeah, and, and that's, that's significant. I mean, think about climate and acclimation and different, different scenarios like elevation. I mean, those things all affect your dancing, and different stages are certainly different, aren't they? Okay, I have a question way over there. I'm going to look over here after that. Go ahead. Mm. Yes. Well, we have a, um, a parallel made to the ongoing Winter Olympics in Vancouver with the superlative nature of, of that sport. There's both a mental game uh, uh, and an, a physical one, um, and perhaps an emotional one as well. So how do you, what do you do to stay on top of your game? I, is that your question, essentially? What do, you do to, what do you do to stay on top of your game, and how do you deal with that pressure that comes with being live in performance and having to do your best? Well, I think that the yeah having being live uh, performance, there's just such a rush that comes from it too. That yes, you are definitely thinking about the steps, and that's what rehearsals are for. You get it in your body, and then when you get out there, you don't necessarily have to think about that as much. And the um, the luckily we are not. You know, we don't have points, and this is not a competition. So um, when when you make a mistake, sometimes people know, and you just have to keep on going. Sometimes they don't know, and we fool you. <laughs> so um, I, I try not to really think about the, the negative. I just I 
going out there to have an amazing time. And usually, no, no matter what happens, you kind of can forget the the really um, stressful pressure because afterwards you just feel so happy for doing the performance. Do, do you have any rituals that help to get you in the zone? No, not really. I'm not a very superstitious person. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, let's go to another question from the audience, perhaps. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. You have to repeat the question. She answered that one quickly. So we've got some emotional response. How do you feel when you feel like a ballet or a certain dancing part isn't well-received and you just don't hear that thunderous applause? Does, does that affect you emotionally? Yeah, we we can feel it. I mean, sometimes our perception is altered. Like, I will go to my dress room and say, they, they weren't clapping at all. And someone who was out there would say, no, they were. We just we can't hear it very well. But um, we're... Part of it is like the the response, the energy that we get from the audience. So yeah, when you don't feel that it's um, as enthusiastic, you feel a little <sighs> down, <laughs> I guess. I, I think sometimes, though, uh, being in uh, being in the audience myself, I think sometimes I actually forget to clap. I'm just kind of watching it and taking things in and maybe processing okay, it on a different good. level. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's not you. It's not you. No. Yes, sir. Ah, like, do you mean cat? The question was, how much do you dance outside the ballet? And do you mean ballet dance or other kinds of dance? Both. Social dance. When? Um, um, no, I can't remember the last time I went out to a club social dancing. Definitely. But, um... That's a difficult question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, this gentleman wants to make sure you get home safely. <laughs> and I'll, I'll help you out in that regard. We're going to move on. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. brilliant question. Do you work with a nutritionist or are you aware of other dancers who work with a nutritionist to come up with a diet that optimizes your performance? Um, no, I have not actually ever worked with a nutritionist, but there is somebody I know that, um, that has worked with dancers. There's, there's somebody that people can get in contact with if they want. Um, but I have read and studied a lot about it because, um, I'm actually very interested in nutrition and how that helps um, prevent injuries and and you know optimal performance and stuff. So I'm actually planning on doing my senior project on something like that, but um, haven't quite gotten there yet. I don't want too much time to get away from us before we touch on tonight's program. It's a it's a good one and a special one. It's an all-Balanchine program tonight. Uh, and I want to ask you specifically, there are three ballets. One is Serenade, one is Stravinsky Violin Concerto, and the other Theme and Variations. So 
First of all, when you think about the iconic figure of George Balanchine, what does that mean to you? What, what comes to mind when you think of Balanchine? Um, I love dancing his ballets. That's what comes to mind. They're, they're always really fulfilling, and um, it's the kind of work that you're usually scared before it starts because it's so hard, but then afterwards you just feel like you've really accomplished something amazing. So, and he makes really great roles for women, too. Yes, yes, he does. Yes, he does. So when you think of the three ballets I mentioned for tonight's performance, are you closer to one of those three than another? Or do you prefer I've one to another? I've done all of them at some mm-hmm. point, but um, probably Stravinsky Violin Concerto. The past last year, I got to do it for the first time, and it's really, really important to me. So what should the audience, what could the audience look for? What, what is... What is that? What is it about? What is that piece about? Well, it's not really about anything because it's a plotless Balanchine ballet. Mm-hmm. But um, last year, when I was working with Bart Cook, who said it, uh, he, I did the the first aria, and he he had some images that we could play with about kind of two amoeba like creatures that are halves of a whole and you get pulled apart, but you're still connected um, in a certain way. And so the whole, actually, if you watch the whole Potida, there, we we never really lose that connection between like our stomachs. It's And when it, we do, we kind of rebound and go back and catch it again. I love that. That's That's a great insight. That's a great insight. It gives the audience who may have seen the ballet before something new to see. Uh, I want to take another question or two from the audience. Uh, we have some time. And uh, I'm going to steer to this side. The young lady right over there. So the question was, how old are you? She's 13. So, Ilana, she wants to know how long you've been dancing and how did you get started with San Francisco Ballet? And even though, so just go for it. I have uh, been dancing since I was two, really. Uh, I started ballet classes then, and I joined San Francisco Ballet School when I was nine. Um, and I was, I'm from San Francisco, so that's how I got, um, just stayed here and started my training here. Good, good question, and you're very brave to raise your hand. So um, I'm starting to see more hands go up. We like that. You're warming up. Yes. Well, that's an interesting question and and a a challenging one to answer depending on, on the perspective you take. But the question was, we have a shorter season than New York City Ballet, and the question is, does that affect a dancer's income? I think that we're actually really, we have a really good contract. We are for 42, a 42-week contract. So, Which is one of the longest weeks. contracts in the industry. So, That's, yeah, that's sort of secure like it's fine for me and so then we get uh laid off in the summer and i get to go travel and it's it's awesome all right moving on yes right the hat on 
<laughs> so the question is, are you inspired to choreograph? And if so, what, do you, what would you definitely include or what would you absolutely leave out if you were creating your own dance? Well, I've, I've never actually had the inspiration to choreograph. Uh, but if I wanted to be really mean to people, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I personally don't really like hopping on point. Uh, so I would definitely put a lot of that in. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> See, when I go wordless, um, okay. So... <laughs> We're, t we're talking a little bit about, um, um, so you are, you are one of the, <laughs> <All right. clears throat> so as we look at the 21st century and all the new technology and new media, you're one of those dancers who actually has a blog. So what do you blog about? Um, I don't really have a regular blog. Oh. I've just done like a few little posts here oh. and there. Um, and yeah, it's just about something that comes to me that certain day. It's not really, yeah, I'm not really that much really? involved in the whole okay. techie thing. You're not really a technophobe. You don't, I mean, technophile, you don't look for new technology. I have an iPhone. You have an, okay. <laughs> All right. We have time for one or two final questions. Yes, sir. I think I heard all of the question. I think it says when you so when you get to travel, does that make it so that you see the world differently? Is that your question, sir? As a dancer versus just dancing locally or domestically, does traveling the world influence you or affect you as an artist? Well, um, when I travel, if there's if there's a performance or a company and that I I'm interested and I definitely will go see lots of shows and that enriches my, um, my career and exposed to different choreographies, different dancers. It's definitely very helpful. And I don't, I don't necessarily think I, I see the world through different eyes. I mean, I'm a person just like you, I have an iPhone, you know? And so, um, I don't know if there's anything specific. I just can't think of something specific that would make me see it through different eyes. Beautiful. I have time for one more question. You go ahead. Well, even though you're unbelievably young, when you think about the end of your career and transitions. Uh, do you think of teaching? Do you think of other uh, aspects of the field? Or do you think of, have other interests? Um, I think of a lot of different things which uh, go through my mind every once in a while. And uh, not necessarily teaching, although maybe, maybe something in the ballet field, but maybe something completely different too. And um, I had mentioned I'm interested in nutrition, so I was thinking of something like that. And I'm also interested in physical therapy and just 
general health and healing. So um, maybe something in that field. Yeah. Do you think you might go back to school? I'm actually uh, taking college classes right now. I started a couple of years ago and doing it one class at a time, and, very slowly. And that's the way to go in yeah. life. One step, one <laughs> class at a time. Exactly. Unfortunately, our time together has come to an end so quickly. I, I really enjoy it. And I just wanted the audience to know that the Meet the Artist interviews and Points of View lectures are both sponsored by the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. You can find out more about all of our outreach and education and more about the ballet by visiting sfballet.org. I'm really pleased and just uh, elated to have had this time with you, and I want to thank you for being here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Ilana Altman, thank you, and good night. Thank you. Enjoy the show. <laughs>